Hey everyone, David Chen here. Just a quick note, during the course of this Filmcast episode, we talk about Justin Lin leaving the Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, it was announced shortly after we recorded that Louis Leterrier had been tapped to replace Justin Lin. He's going to be directing the 10th Fast and Furious movie. We didn't know that when we were discussing it, so just FYI, enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, the podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and this is Iceland! <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's so funny. I now know exactly what you were looking up. <laughs> Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. Finally, a movie that makes it okay to avenge father, save mother, and kill Fjolnir. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. I, for one, am sick of all these superhero movies. Spider-Man, Batman, Northman. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, everyone. Those are, of course, very oblique references to the fact that today we're going to be reviewing Robert Eggers' newest film, The Northman, here on the podcast. Really excited to get into this discussion and hear what you all thought. Before that, we got some what we've been watching and also a ton of film news this week just like tons and tons of film news that we wanted to like discuss. the old days like you know? the old yeah. days yeah there's yeah. Just, you know we don't do that much film news but this week there were just so many announcements it's like guys we got to talk about some of this stuff so that is what we are going to do you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com recommend stuff for us to watch using hashtag slash tag on twitter and if you want to support the show Go to patreon.com slash film podcast where you can sign up for ad-free episodes as well as exclusive After Darks. Now, we have a very special exclusive After Dark announcement uh, for this week's episode. Uh, And, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've had some really awesome After Darks. We did a Severance Season 1 review that was really fun. We did a, a discussion of Martin Scorsese's underrated classic, Bringing Out the Dead, another... Uh, Nicholas Cage matching with our uh, unbearable weight of massive talent review. But this week, I, I dare say we have an episode that's going to trump all of those uh, for the After Dark. Yeah. And that Ten is... years in the making, right? <laughs> or over a decade in the making. Yeah. At CinemaCon uh, this last week, which is a, a big gathering of uh, uh, sort of cinema exhibitors, it was uh, so many announcements were made, some of which we'll be discussing. But one of them is uh, that Avatar 2, first of all, now has a name. It's called Avatar the Way of Water. Whoa. And Avatar 2 now has a trailer that's going to debut in front of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. However, Jeff Kanata and I will be watching said trailer uh, on Monday night. We got... Yeah. We got mm-hmm. special mm-hmm. invitations for a screening of the trailer. Yes. I think, I, I don't know if yours is in 3D. Mine is in 3D. Yes. It better yes. be. Like, yes. why why drag you there for a three-minute clip? If It's, it's so yeah. true. 3D. If it's not in 3D, it's pointless. I, I don't get out of bed for anything yeah. less than 3D these yeah. days. Yeah, real deep, you know? please. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff and I are going to watch this trailer. Yeah. And we are going to talk about it exclusively on the Filmcast After Dark. At patreon.com slash film podcast. Now, many of you are, th- I know it, many of you are thinking. Yes. 
but Jeff, that goes against everything you stand for. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. And it does, yep. and it That's does. But uh-huh. this is what I do for you, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, I, I this feels like such a momentous occasion. I, yes, I, Dave, you and I and Devendra have been doing this for a long time. A long this time. Dance. Have this dance. Yeah. Any <laughs> of you ever been invited to a screening of a trailer? No. I don't. Maybe Actually, yes. Yes, maybe one time in the but like it's. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what it was for. Like it's. So essentially, f- folks, for those who don't know, when you get invited to a screening, uh, they don't show trailers in front of it, right? Yeah, like, right. It's, it's one of my favorite know, things about it. Exactly. 7 p.m. rolls around and then the movie just starts. Uh, so they actually want us to, like, if we we're going to go see Doctor Strange at the screening today, we were not going to see the Avatar 2 trailer. Well, of course, the studios didn't want us to see Doctor Strange without seeing the Avatar 2 trailer. So it, it is very rare that you get an invite for a trailer screening. Yeah. Um and it felt it felt like you know this is an event. This trailer yeah. is an event, Jeff, it in does. a way that it does. perhaps others have not. You know? I probably, you know, in the absence of all this pomp and circumstance and, and the show, I probably would have avoided the trailer because I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this movie. Um, but I I'm confident that this is not gonna really spoil much yeah. in, in the mm-hmm. in the movie because I feel like Cameron's fingerprints are all over this thing, you know. Yeah, well, look at the the, the Twilight Zone truth of this whole scenario, by the way, is that Jeff is the only one who will be disappointed by this movie. Like the capacity <laughs> to be disappointed by it will mostly be Jeff. Mm, statistically, Jeff, statistically. you're the one most likely to be disappointed. That's true. That's true. Yeah, uh, I, I but, think this. I think the trailer is going to blow us away. I think the movie's going to blow us away. I'm <laughs> yes, my my expectation is off the charts right now, you guys. I will say that we have. Multiple sources uh, inside the studio working on the trailer that have said that they have been busting their ass to get this oh, trailer out. It has been uh, evidently a nightmare for everyone involved. The, yes. the, the amount of work, just VFX work, that the trailer alone has required. Uh, I'm now like, you know, the trailer is like three minutes long. I am yeah. now curious if they're going to make the release date, you know, because it is <laughs> May right now. The movie's coming out in what, mm-hmm. six, seven months. But the, this and is why they have several years between the sequels too. Like it's just all rendering, you know, yeah. like that's all it's going to be. It's literally Adobe after effects is literally rendering. They already started the render on it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to take until December for it to be finished. Uh, but yes, uh, Jeff is breaking his no trailer rule, especially for tonight. And also for the After Dark recording. Uh, and you might be asking, wait, wh- why is not Devendra named? It's because Devendra doesn't actually have the opportunity to see the trailer until uh, Thursday night. So we will hear Devendra's thoughts uh, next week. But yeah, uh, Jeff and I will be bringing you the mm-hmm. trailer reaction for Avatar The Way of Water earlier than anyone else <laughs> if you're a subscriber to the Patreon at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. So be sure to subscribe for uh, mm-hmm. exclusive After Darks. And be sure to tell most... us like how that uh, trailer experience is. By the way, like, are they just going to play it once and then kick you out of the theater? That's are a they going to like re- repeat it for an hour just so you can like really drink it in? I'd love to know. Well, well do you guys was... remember at Comic Con when they showed the footage of the first Avatar? Yes. They played it again. Oh yeah, like, yes. show it again. Yeah. yeah. How, how much? I remember it being quite long. It wasn't like a three minute thing. It was like a ten no, minute like, thing. Yeah. 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 I think it was longer than ten minutes. I it might have been like, like twenty minutes. And they, yeah. they played it, and then they're like, "Wow, that was so good. Let's play yeah. it again." And then they well, just we got time it again. to fill on this uh, segment. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, so the the deal is that the screening is at seven p.m. And the trailer is at 6 p.m., which is, I actually have to say is really uh, annoying 
because <laughs> I wish they would just play the trailer right in front of the movie. That, and then... That's really that's really annoying. Well, like, wow, I'm, I'm so sorry, Dave. You're yeah, annoyed to see this I'm trailer. I'm so upset. I get to see wow. Doctor Strange Multiverse early uh-huh. and also see the trailer early. You know, it's well, really you have to irritating. Wait 47 yeah. minutes or 57 mild minutes inconvenience. Yes, yeah. Uh, yes. The, <laughs> I, I don't know about your situation, Dave, because, you, you know, Dave's in Seattle. I'm here in Denver. So, you know, we're not going to the same screening at all. But this is this is sort of the, the press uh, template that they're using all around the country for for regional uh, reviewers like ourselves. Um, but in my situation, it is in a different theater than Doctor Strange. Oh, wow. wow. That's yes. Yeah. I mean, not like a, a different, different physical different, like, location. Like, no, you no, 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 no. A different, okay. a different room in the same. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it, you go into one room, sit down, <laughs> watch the trailer. Everybody gets up, leaves, goes to another room to watch Doctor Strange. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you know it's the trailer theater because it's going to be like fully armed security, like right outside the door, <laughs> so nobody just like wanders in. Yeah. Like, what's up with that theater? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they don't want. <laughs> they don't want. <laughs> Uh, who cares about spoilers for Doctor Strange? But exactly. man, that's that Avatar too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm so amped. I cannot even tell you. I'm so excited. I, yeah. I got a Doctor Strange 3D screening. I don't go to 3D screenings anymore. But just for this trailer, I'm, I'm going to go to the 3D yeah, screening, guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, it's funny, Devendra. I was thinking about you because uh, mm-hmm. Avatar, the film, came out right around the same time that. Avatar: The Last Airbender was like yes. kind of getting big, and there was a lot yes. of confusion. And I love how the title "The Way of Water" just makes. What it are you even... doing, guys? Oh, people yeah. are so confused. <laughs> it makes Guaranteed. it even more, even worse. It's so funny. I'm it's sure James show. Cameron was just like hanging around, like Avatar, Avatar, water. Maybe the next one will be about Earth, and we could do fire. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. You have a show God. about you know the elements, and here, I, here we have a movie with three sequels coming out: like uh, Way of Earth and Way of Fire. Definitely <laughs> possibilities. <laughs> I I think that my guess is James Cameron simply doesn't know or doesn't care about the other Avatar. Like, oh, I think that's a hundred percent. He's it's like, yeah, I, he, I he, watches, own... he watches anime, man. Like he knows, he knows what's up. I own the concept of Avatar, and <laughs> yeah. how dare anyone? They should change their name. That's yeah. his. I, I will crush them. I will <laughs> yeah. crush this other Avatar. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Uh, so speaking of three D, I have to say I am very disappointed that. Avatar The Way of Water threatens to plunge us back into the world of 3D. Um, At the recent CinemaCon convention, John Fithian, the president and CEO of the National Association of Theater Owners, says that Avatar 2 will have more formats than any movie in the history of movies. We're talking about high resolution, high frame rates, 3D, IMAX, PLF, different sound system in 160 different languages, end quote. Uh, So... There is going to be. This will be the new Bible, everyone. Like this is what civilization will I be mean, built around. It's possible forward. more people will see this than read yes. the Bible in that yes. year. You know, but I, I, I just all that stuff sounds good, except for the th- part about 3D. I'm just yeah. I have not put on a pair of 3D glasses at a theater in years. But, You're doing but, it but, tonight. Yeah, you will do it tonight. Yes. But also, and I hate you, myself for it. <laughs> you guys have not experienced uh, the well. Maybe we did for Hobbit, right? Like you did the high frame rate there. But the three D high frame rate that Ang Lee has been working on is fucking incredible. So if they can make that happen, like one twenty FPS, you need the three D to make that high frame rate look really good. Um, it, yeah, it, it's incredible. All right, Devinder has happen. not given up on the Ang Lee high frame rate train. Listen, and I, it's admirable. It's admirable. He's I a visionary. Not, you know, 
I think yeah. I watched Gemini Man in like 48 FPS with 3D. I don't recall, but like, right, right, right. And I did not enjoy that experience very it's much. Not the same, but yeah. <laughs> I but, am very excited for the return of 3D. I enjoyed mm-hmm. 3D. I like 3D. I know there were varying uh, quality levels of 3D. There was sort of like the post-process mm-hmm. 3D movies that oftentimes did not really do justice to the format, but the the movies like a- the first Avatar and uh, Hugo. Some other- yeah. Yeah, and um Life of Pi, mm-hmm. you know there there are movies that I cherish that 3D experience. And my, my the projector that I have in my house supports 3D. I don't have 3D glasses yet, but I might be purchasing some. Uh they're expensive, but um <laughs> I, I, so you can do your Avatar 2 uh, Avatar 2 The Wave of Water rewatch. Uh, well, I want to do my theater, right? I want to rewatch the first one again. Uh, you know, before December rolls around, I'm gonna well, we're be... going to watch that 4K release. Like they're going to re-release yeah. it in theaters. So. It, it yeah, is yeah. going to be September. re-released in theaters this September, FYI. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. W- w- the, what this format issue really requires is a statement from James Cameron telling me exactly the right format to go see. What yeah. is the preferred Cameron mm-hmm. viewing experience for? Right. Avatar is it the Way high frame rate? Is it the 3D? Is it just normal without any of that shit? I doubt it. I, th- yes. I think it's everything. He's filming you for must, everything, you know. So you must yeah. guide me, senpai. You must guide me. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you have to see it. His his recommendation is see it three times in the three different. You know, once mm-hmm. in IMAX, once in high frame rate, once in 3D. Uh, what if he says that, Jeff? You're going to do it. You're going to do I it. I will do as he instructs. But I want to know which one first. That's the question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's high frame rate, guys. It's it's the way to go. <laughs> be, right. It's the it's way to go. I don't. I don't believe it. But anyway, <laughs> Avatar The Way of Water, the new trailer. We're seeing it. We're talking about it. Patreon After Dark, patreon.com slash film podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Me too. Um, so that is one of the pieces of news that came out of CinemaCon, which again was a massive convention of film exhibitors that took place in the last week. A uh, couple of other pieces of film news I want to mention before we get to what we've been watching this week. Um, well, actually, I'll just mention a couple quick things at, Cin- at CinemaCon that happened. Uh, one of them is that uh, they screened a trailer for Mission Impossible, which, by the way, now has a new name. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Hell, hell yes! Yes! <laughs> I guess. I guess that's a good name. I don't know. Dead Reckoning? Doesn't yeah. sound like a Mission Impossible title. <laughs> what I what I heard so that's Mission Impossible Seven, and I guess like it is now explicitly a two parter. Yeah. Right, I reckon so, there will be some death. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I almost thought when when I saw it written, I almost saw like people write it Mission Impossible colon I'm sorry yeah. Mission colon Impossible dash Dead Reckoning colon Part One, which would mean <laughs> that the tr- the title had two colons in it. Yeah, uh, which would be like the first time I think Mission Impossible has broken the one yeah. colon barrier. That would be impossible. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but it turns out it's just Dead Reckoning Part One, no colon in there, as far as I can tell. Like oh, it's just no Dead colon. Reckoning Part One, which so I everything think, is okay. Everything is okay now that the title is. I mean, I actually think it looks a little weird. I'm is there even put, a comma? There's no comma. No comma. It's just it's just Mission Impossible, Mission colon Impossible dash Dead Reckoning Part One. <laughs> <laughs> which is like, which I just think looks just kind of, kind of strange. But apparently they screened the trailer from it, and apparently the trailer looks incredible. I that is my mm-hmm. Jeff Kanata's Avatar two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, Mission yeah. Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One is my Jeff Kanata's Avatar: Way of Water, and so I'm really excited about that. They also Do you screened... want to see that trailer, Dave? Or are you going to avoid it? That one I'm going to avoid. That one I'm going to avoid. So, <laughs> uh, 
Um, I found I found that the Mission Impossible trailers give away some of the biggest set pieces because, of course, they want to mm-hmm. they want right. to market some of that that sweet sweet you know action. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm probably gonna avoid that one. Um, also, uh, there was a s- preview screening of Top Gun, and the reviews were rapturous. Everyone rapturous. was like, "This movie is incredible." So I'm very uh, excited to see that now. Yeah. Yeah. So Davindra, maybe uh, maybe this will be a good one. I know you weren't too excited about this on the summer. I mean, hey, I, I rated it highly, not as high as some other people, but I rated it highly <laughs> on my box office list. And uh, the anecdotal report of some fifty something guy losing his shit over this movie <laughs> sounds incredible to me. Yeah, no, that's like, why I just want to see it that. low on your list is still okay because exactly. it was fifty something. I yeah, I uh, people were like, uh, I love this, Jeff. I know you saw this, like. People have been tweeting at us nonstop <laughs> saying like, oh, hey, hey, Top Gun had got all these like amazing reviews. Like, do you want to change your r- ranking on the summer movie wager now? And it's like, no, guys. No, no. no. You, yeah. We all remember what happened with those Comic-Con screenings. I was yes. at the Scott Pilgrim screening. Uh, we saw how that turned out. For Jermaine Lucier to be correct about the Top Gun ranking <laughs> in the summer movie wager, Top Gun would have to beat a Marvel movie, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and that is just not going to happen. I'm sorry. Yes. I not will eat this my life. hat if that happens. You're, you're, you're going to eat your hat. I, I'm, I'm not promising to eat anything, but <laughs> Jeff promises to eat his hat. Dave just said he will go on a hunger strike if that happens. <laughs> on that note, uh, again, you know that's a reference, of course, to the fact that a couple weeks ago we recorded the Summer Movie Wager podcast. If you want to play along, the Summer Movie Wager website is now live at thesummermoviewager.com. So... Uh, be sure to check it out. You have, I think, a few more days, like a couple more days, like uh, as of when you're hearing this, I think less than 48 hours to put in your entry to make sure you get included in the leaderboard. If you're part of the Slack, you get consideration for the Slack leaderboard at slackfilmcast.com. Um, but yeah, less than 48 hours from when this podcast episode is released, thesummermoviewager.com. Thanks to Dennis for maintaining that website. Uh, it's going to be an interesting summer, guys. I'm already regretting some of my choices. Probably shouldn't have put Elvis <laughs> that high on the list. But, you know, uh, you, you have to live with what you've chosen. It my really, mom is really... very excited to see Elvis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, I think they screened some footage from Elvis, uh, if I recall, at CinemaCon, and uh, really positive reaction to that as well. So mm-hmm. who knows? I think it could easily be a hit. Top Gun is, I think Top Gun is going to really benefit from good word of mouth. We've already saw, as you said, those rapturous reviews. But also, there's a press screening next week for it, yes. which is like very early. Oh man, they, are, they they think they have the goods with this one, right? Like sometimes they screen a movie literally the day before it comes out. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes they screen a movie like two weeks in advance, and they generally don't do that unless they're like, "This is going to be really good work." Like this yeah. is going to create a lot of buzz and good word of mouth. Yes, my screening of Top Gun is next week uh, same, on Tuesday. Same with me, yeah, and same. so it's like, yeah. Um, uh, I am looking forward to seeing it. I think it's going to be a lot of. I, I'm just. We have no details about the plot of that film, which is actually really impressive, considering that movie was supposed to come out two years ago. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. uh, finished mm-hmm. a decade and a half ago. It There's was, been uh, a DCP sitting at you know AMC, uh, you know projector Bruce all around the country for two years, and uh, it is only now that we are learning yeah. what exactly that movie is about. We've so. waited so long that Miles Teller is now back in the news, right? It's like we have not heard for, about Miles <laughs> yeah. Teller for two or three years. Now he's yeah. doing talk shows again. Mm. It's, it's crazy. Mm. I remember that guy. He was yeah. good. Yeah. And you want to see the offer that... Uh, it's on my... What I've been watching list. That, that show about the making of The Godfather that's on Paramount Plus? 
Is anyway. this the guy that, that the toy was based on? Of the making of the Godfather? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. The, the, this is the guy that's, you know, the original guy that the character of the Godfather was based on. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, anyway. Mr. Father, as they call him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, those are a couple of news items out of CinemaCon this week. Hey, I got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Quip. You know, to be honest with you, I think I have to admit, before I had Quip a few years ago, I don't think I ever brushed my teeth fully for two minutes like dentists recommend. Why? Because I'm lazy. I would get distracted and I cannot be trusted. But you know what can be trusted? Quip. Because good health starts with good habits. And Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials that you need to care for your mouth. I have been using Quip, as I said, for several years now. We are a four Quip household. We all have Quip toothbrushes, the Quip electric toothbrush, which is loved by over 7 million mouths, of which my family is four. They have these timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide you toward that dentist-recommended two-minute clean. And now I always brush my teeth for two minutes. I always know exactly how long it's been. The toothbrush turns itself off when I've reached two minutes, so I know. Plus, I've got that cool multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount for less clutter. I always have mine mounted to my mirror, and I use it when I'm traveling now to Atlanta every weekend. They have a reusable handle and a range of sleek metal hues, including the uh, best-selling All Black, which is the one I have, and the new All Pink, which is pretty cool, as well as the bright plastic colors that make your uh, bathroom counter pop. Pretty cool. And on top of brushing, you can upgrade your Quip with a new smart motor to track and improve your brushing with the free Quip app. And you'll uh, earn rewards with that app, like free refills, products, Target gift cards, and more, just for maintaining great oral care habits. Plus, Quip has everything to build a complete routine. They've got floss string that expands to clean and reusable floss picks that replaces over 180 disposable picks with every refill. And their refillable gum that's sugar-free has long-lasting mint flavor and comes in a dispenser, plus mouthwash, everything you need. Check it out. And with the stylish and affordable Quip electric toothbrush starting at just $25, you won't be paying through the teeth for better oral care. If you go to getquip.com filmcast right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash filmcast. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Quip, the good habits company. All right, a couple of other things I wanted to mention. Uh, One is that everything everywhere all at once. Now, typically, uh, everything everywhere all at once is in its fourth week of of wide release, its sixth week of release in, in general. Typically, folks, uh, every weekend that a movie is out, it will drop anywhere between 40 and 60%, right? So a movie comes out, it makes $10 million. The next weekend, it makes 40% less than $10 million and so on, right? That's for like a decent a decent movie drops 40%. Um, 
a uh, a bad movie like Morbius drops seventy percent in its second weekend, which is actually I think what actually happened with that movie. Everything everywhere all now, now also I, I will point out that when the movie is released for more weeks, uh, the rate of descent typically decreases. So like in its fourth or fifth week, it might drop. 20, 30%, you know, that's a really good hold. Like 20, 30% is a really good hold for like a movie in its fourth weekend of release. I'm going to ask you, Jeff Kanata, any idea how much everything, everywhere, all at once dropped in its fourth weekend of wide release? Give us a guess. I want to guess that it actually went up. That, but I, but that, that doesn't is seem- correct. Yeah. It went up by, I think, 2% in its fourth weekend, which is unbelievable unbelievable like that basically never happens not since the greatest showman or m night Shyamalan's the sixth sense has a movie been out for four weeks and still been adding sort not, not even adding like increasing its box office take from the previous weekend uh I, I was talking with my wife about this movie yesterday and it's like uh, and I, actually, she was referencing that Walter Chaw's interview with the Daniels and like how everyone is able to see some version of their story in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's really remarkable. You know, we talked on this uh, podcast about like, you know, I thought it was like an immigrant story. And like, I think, Jeff, were you talking about how it was like a parenting story, right? Yes. Like, it's about parenting and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a, a woman with menopause. It's like, well, this is clearly a story about like menopause, you know, and like everyone is just like, this is a story about themselves. Like there's something in this movie that like is just relatable for everyone. And it's finding an audience by sheer force of will and word of mouth. And it's It's astonishing to see. It's almost like great art does that, you know, it's almost like great art makes you, uh, touches you and, and, it couldn't be happening to a better movie. I think all of us are super thrilled. The the good move, the good thing happened to the good movie, you know? Yeah. And it's so rare for that to happen, and it's really nice to see that occur. Uh, but it's now, uh, yeah, plus 2%. It is on track to be the third highest grossing uh, A24 film ever. <clears throat> it's about to beat Hereditary, uh, and only Lady Bird and Uncut Gems stand in its way to be the top grossing A24 film of all time. That's so great. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, I do these Twitter spaces on Sunday mornings with Scott Mendelson, and he was saying like, yeah, uh, if if this movie like when the movie made I think five six million dollars in opening weekend or something like that, it was or eight million I don't remember it was like it was something like eight or twelve or so you know something in the re- relatively low range. We're like if this movie makes as much money as Green Knight, which made around twenty five million dollars domestic when it came out, that's a huge success. Like amazing, it just blew past thirty five million dollars domestically. It's it's potentially it's gonna blow back uh, blow past forty million dollars. And if it beats 50, it's going to beat Uncut Gems, which means top grossing A24 film of all time, which is like, it's amazing. It's amazing. So we're, we're not seeing any numbers like, the, it's like a huge story, in my opinion, that this movie is doing this well. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing that many yeah. people talk about it. Um, so I just want to give it a shout out because it's incredible. It's incredible. So good for them. Yes. Uh, and if you haven't right. seen it yet, go see this movie. Yes. And on that note, like, I'm actually a little bit afraid, like, this movie has, like, this amazing trajectory, but it's probably going to lose some screens because of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, so it's probably going to be harder to see next weekend, which is a bummer because... Well, it's hard It's hard to have more than one multiverse movie. You can only screen. have one... There can only be one dot 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 multiverse movie at the box office, unfortunately. <laughs> Unless they cross over, you know. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean it would be amazing to see Michelle Yeoh in Doctor Strange movie, but yeah. In the infinite tapestry, there is a reality when there are multiple multiverse movies in the multiplexes. <laughs> I, I love it, Jeff. You just extemporize that, right? You just, <laughs> yeah. just you, you weren't saving that up. You just came no. up. This, this is, these are the pearls of wisdom that flow from the top of your head. So anyway, uh, everything you're everywhere all at once. See, I'm going to just say see it. See it instead of Doctor Strange. Then see Doctor Strange later. It's still going to be there. But see everything everywhere all at once. It's the it's the multiverse movie that that needs more of your dollars, uh, especially if we want to beat uh, Uncut Gems. Okay. Last week, here's another bit of film news. Speaking of action-packed movies that have everything in the kitchen sink thrown inside them. <laughs> Fast 10. What is the pronunciation of this? Fast, Fast 10 X. or Fast X? Fast X sounds like a, a laxative or some yeah, sort of stool softener, yeah. you know? So the Fast and Furious franchise, one of the least likely franchises to ever become a franchise. Yeah. Uh, now but one we, of the we were there pop- from the beginning, guys, yes. like yes. championing <laughs> this thing. One of the most unlikely film franchises, now one of the biggest film franchises in the world. Justin Lin, I believe, has directed five of these movies. Mm-hmm. He he brought it back from the dead with Tokyo Drift. Like Justin Lin was instrumental in this yeah, entire. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say Fast and Furious, the fourth film, is what really brought it back from the dead. Tokyo Drift was didn't know, do that well, and then almost went direct to DVD. As far as Tokyo I Drift, but but yes, it was it, the the whole it was reason a shot he, the arm he did it. The series, yeah, I agree. yes, I agree. he was able to bring it back. Yeah, so. Last week, he was supposed to direct the 10th Fast and Furious movie, the title of which had been revealed to be Fast X or Fast 10. And he was also supposed to direct the 11th film. It was announced this past week that he had left the franchise after they had already started filming. So here is the statement that was posted on the Fast Saga Twitter account. Quote, with the support of Universal, I have made the difficult decision to step back as director for, uh, of Fast X. It just feels weird to say it. I'm going to put that there. <laughs> yeah. While re- yeah. I'm going to say Fast 10. I'm going to say it my way. Fast 10. Um, while remaining yeah. with the project as a producer, over 10 years and five films, we have been able to shoot the best actors, the best stunts, and the best damn car chases. On a personal note, as a child of Asian immigrants, I am proud of helping to build the most diverse franchise in movie history. I'll forever be grateful to the amazing cast, crew, and studio for the support and for welcoming me into the Fast family, Justin Lin. Now, there's a few things to note about that, right? Like, uh-huh. one is the statement is rather final, right? Like, he, he, you know, the on a wow. personal note, as a child like, of Asian I'm done. immigrants, I'm done. I'm, yeah, yeah, it's like he's done with this. You know, you wouldn't write that unless you're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what made people think, okay, he's not doing the 11th film either. So it's like, what? Is going on here? What is going on here? What is um, go- what's going on with the family? It's yeah. The only family See, I care about. Now, if he goes and directs a movie starring The Rock, mm-hmm. we'll yeah, know. That'll be it. That'll we'll be know it. what happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I am putting aside the possibility that there is some major personal emergency or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like may- mm-hmm. maybe. You know, Justin Lin has a family member who's doing bad, and he's like, "I gotta take care of my family member." And like, you, that's they why. would say that though, you know? Uh, would they? Maybe to, he wants to maybe avoid... he's a private, like Justin Lin's a relatively private guy. You sure, know? He sure. Would say. So like, maybe like assuming that's not true, and like if that does turn out to be true, like it, you know, disregard everything we're about mm-hmm. to speculate wildly about. Um, but 
yeah, if if that's not true, sure seems like uh, members of Vin Diesel's hashtag family keep uh, leaving the family. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it's just like a lot of people speculate essentially that it's this is Vin Diesel's doing. <laughs> I mean, right. he he's had creative control of this entire franchise pretty much, uh, yeah, since they brought it back. Like, that was part of the deal, right? Um, so, yeah, uh, don't be surprised if the director of Fast 10 ends up being uh, the D's. Wow. Uh, imagine that. that. Imagine something. that. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think Universal is going to trust mm-hmm. Uh, the reins of their franchise to uh, this is his Vindy's... franchise. What, what are you yeah, talking about? I, I, first of all, I'm sure he wants that. Yeah. I'm sure he. I'm sure he wants that. Um, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's too important to uh, to to Universal to like. Trust it, it'll now. be like when M Night Shyamalan directed After Earth, right? Which was essentially Will Smith. <laughs> told him what to do mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. And i think uh, that statement read to me like justin lynn being like you want to direct this movie dude like i'm done i'm done fighting with this uh here take it and yeah, yeah they'll that, bring that, in that seems very like what you just said yeah. seems very likely what yes. happens right yes. yeah um again we're speculating rampantly we don't actually have the inside information and by all reports apparently the parting was amicable so mm-hmm. but that said you know he vin diesel does have strong opinions about how things should go and it does seem very likely that uh, the thing is, though, they've worked together for five movies. Different. So you know, long. Like, wouldn't yeah. you? Like, yeah, well, how many albums did the like Beatles know, make together? Like what to expect? <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. What were you I said, say? how many albums did the Beatles make together? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Good, good, good analogy, too. I, I uh, want to I, I hear the background story behind this, because like he, you know, he took a break between um, was it fast was it Fast 7 or Fast 6? Like, he took a break after fa- after a couple of Fast movies, you know, and now he's coming back to it. So I, I almost wonder if, like, he just got a little tired of it there and, like, they were talking about well, how he'd come well, back. Well, he directed you know? Fast 9, too. We should put yeah, that Yeah, out. yeah, but yeah. The, I know, I know. The, 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 that would make sense. I mean, he's done five of these movies. That would make yeah. sense if they're like, hey, we're making a tenth one. I'm not going to be part of it. Yeah. But this is, we already started shooting. Yes. Yeah. That's the weird part. That's, That's the, the weird like, part. Yeah. I was signed on. We started... And now I'm not doing it. That feels like, well, some stuff happened during mm-hmm. that whole we're started shooting part, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't there wait was for a... the, the dramatic uh, behind the scenes movies yes. of the Fast <laughs> franchise. Like done like the uh, the Steve Jobs movie, you know, just like play like really, really dramatic about how this whole franchise went down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, like Vin Diesel post, posted an Instagram story with him and Justin Lin being like, "Hey, like production's begun. Like we're all having. Like, isn't this going to be the best one? You know?" And Justin Lin looks like really unsure of himself, and he's, like people are analyzing that video now. Uh, I like how Angelique Jack- Jackson and Adam B. Vary at Variety broke this down about like how to replace him because mm-hmm. it is expensive. Every day there is not a director, right? Every day there's not because you're still paying for the crew to do stuff. But there's no director. And there's a second unit. A lot of the action in, in the uh, Fast franchise gets shot by second unit directors. Mm-hmm. So the second unit is still shooting stuff. So they're not like wasting all their money. But I imagine it is very costly. No new director has been announced as of now. Right. Um, but here is this variety story. They write, quote, the most logical answer to replace Justin Lin would be to slot in someone who's already familiar with the franchise's mechanics. The problem is that other than Justin Lin, only five directors have helmed the Fast and Furious movie. Mm-hmm. Rob Cohen, the late John Singleton, James Wan, F. Gary Gray, and David Litch. Wan, Gray, and Litch would all be viable options if they weren't all busy. Uh, Wan was on stage at CinemaCon last week at Las Vegas sharing a sneak preview of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom 
which is still in post-production and set for a March 2023 release. That film has elaborate special effects, making it nearly impossible that Wong could turn his attention elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Ray is currently filming Netflix's Lift, starring Kevin Hart, and Lich is set to start production on Universal's Fall Guy with Ryan Gosling immediately. Meanwhile, Cohen hasn't directed a film since 2018, shortly before becoming embroiled in personal controversy with multiple al- allegations of sexual assault. Representatives for Cohen have denied these claims, end quote. So yep. basically, He's all done. their viable options are unavailable for one reason. Yeah or another i do um, I, I like the the because people are just throwing out like who should direct this and uh roxana hadadi pointed out like the the dudes who did bad boys for life would mm, be perfect yes actually Adil L- lrb and bilal falah um that movie was better than it had any right to be and the actor is pretty good yeah it's true so maybe they're they're good contenders uh didn't they just release a film though if i recall I think, correctly i think so I yeah know. um but yeah i i, I don't when know you, when you get the call for fast you know for the fast <laughs> movies you gotta take the call yeah yeah um let me just double check on that claim um they're doing batgirl yeah they and they directed um miss marvel the tv series that's going to be yeah. on disney plus also yeah. a movie called rebel uh that uh has not come out yet as far as i know so yeah anyway Boy, this is. It, it, I agree. It with rocked you, Jeff. my it's, world. It rocked my world, guys. This news. Yeah, it's I thought rare of you, to Vindra. see First something like this of. happen mm-hmm. for a, like after the movie's already begun uh, filming. Jeff, as you pointed out, and also uh, for a movie this high profile, mm-hmm. right? Like you yeah. got to imagine they tried to avoid this any way they could, and they couldn't. So, like, what is the background story there? Uh, so. I, I sense that in the days to come, the, all the details will come to light. But yeah, mm-hmm. it does seem like it's going to be a tough road for this movie because I think they, they've they slated the release of this movie as 2023, right? May 2023 is when this movie's supposed to come out. So they are racing against the clock, as it were. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's going to be mm-hmm. tough. It's going to be tough. Only they had experience doing that before. <laughs> I, I I have some sources that have been talking to me about this, guys. I don't know if you guys have heard this. The rumor on the street is that Justin Lin just decided to quit because he refused to call it Fast X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fast Act and Fast X. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say Fast Ten Your Seatbelt Seatbelts was right there. You know, wow. like, I don't know why they didn't. Wow. I, I'm gonna say That's if you've already done Fate of the Furious. Yeah. And fast ten your seatbelts is not really <laughs> that far beyond so the pale. Like, so I don't understand I don't understand it. I don't understand why the, it was right yeah. there. It was right there. And well Vin Diesel was insisting on that title. You know, like it just he had to leave. <laughs> that was the thing that pushed him over the edge. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. All right. Final piece of film news to discuss. Um so John Woo's The Killer, a classic action movie. Incredible. Good movie. Yeah. A few years ago, uh, it broke that there was going to be a remake of The Killer. Um, Lupita Nyong'o was originally attached to that project. Right. Uh, yeah, although yeah, yeah. She, she is no longer. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, most things in Hollywood don't happen. You hear a story about this. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe that sounds like it could be cool. Who knows? Who knows? Whatever. Uh, I'll think about it in three years when it finally happens. Well, looks like it's finally happening, and the Killer remake is set to debut on Peacock, the streaming network from Universal NBC. Uh, <laughs> like it, like any classic film remake, yeah, would. 
I have to say, that's a whole assortment of sentences I never thought I'd ever speak, or words I never thought <laughs> Listen, I'd ever anytime speak. Anytime there's anything happening around Peacock, I'm like, I, I don't know. But they keep having good stuff, so I really liked killing it. You know, there there is stuff yeah. to see there. Yeah. Every time uh, I think about Peacock, I think about, like, Vulture did this story called uh, 12 Hollywood Insiders Reveal Who's Really Winning the Streaming Wars. <laughs> and they basically, like, uh, ranked all of the different streaming platforms from like insiders. Right. Um, and Peacock came in dead last. And here, here are some of the things that people said about Peacock in that story. Uh, a PR veteran said, someone lend these people some money so that at least they can pretend to be contenders. It's a joke that they think they're going to contend in a real way when they don't spend in content or marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Reality producer, poor Peacock. You've got some amazing IP to exploit and your international offerings are more appealing than Netflix, but you're a mess. End quote. So yeah, I don't know. It's that's re- it's really rough, especially looking at like Paramount Plus and everything. You know, like I don't know. Nobody well, seems to say by say, the bell. Say mm-hmm. more about that. You're saying you think Paramount Plus is doing well, and Peacock? No, is I, th- well? I think they were doing like I think content wise, Paramount Plus it was more of a mess. Like at the beginning, and people didn't mm. know what to do. You know, and it was what CBS All Access originally, right? Right, so right. They had some growing pains, and now they have a ton of money. Like that is their secret. I don't think they threw as much money at Peacock, um, but there's really good stuff there. That Say yeah. by the Bell reboot that nobody has seen is one of the funniest things I've seen in years, and it's super smart and everything. So, like, give them time. Like, I think they're taking more time. They're throwing, like, less garbage out there, but it is – there is some good stuff there. I just don't know how many more of these things we can take, right? Like, the well, all these things, is, it's too much. I think what the last couple weeks has shown us is that maybe Peacock's strategy is the right one. Yeah, which is take your time. Don't spend, you know, $8 billion on new content because your company might not, like the check for that might come due one day and you might mm-hmm. be in a bad situation. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to say, random note, by the way, I am strangely really excited for Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is debuting on Paramount. Yep. I have heard, I've heard very good great, things I've heard about it. I've heard it's incredible. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. could be, you know, in the last couple of years, guys, we talked about things that have the name Star Trek on them that don't feel like Star Trek, right? Like Picard, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't feel like Star Trek. Whereas like this apparently feels like Star Trek. So I'm excited about Star Trek Strange New World. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the killer remake on Peacock. Um, Devendra, you and I... I'll be down, w- sure. ...grew up together with our love of John Woo. I- I'll just say I love John Woo getting any more work. The guy has helped to shape yes. uh, modern cinema. I mean... I, I as- want him to get one more win basically mm. before he retires there there As, would be uh, no the yeah. matrix if yes. it wasn't for john woo there would be Very no true. the matrix if it weren't for john and then who knows what else there would be no john wick if it wasn't for john woo absolutely you know? and As, so uh, nicholas cage says in the unbearable weight mm-hmm. of massive mm-hmm. talent who's a maestro mm-hmm. who's a maestro that's right let him play i will say john woo's like American work has not been as solid. Um, even even his last few other ones. We reviewed that movie, the last one he did that was actually an action movie. It was kind of a mess. But yeah, hey, I want him to win. I want I want him to have a good a good return to America too because his American stuff. Like we we have looked back at it, but I remember at the time like uh, Face Off and like Mission Impossible Two never got a ton of love. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna say. I, I am not exaggerating this. Like, if there was no John Woo, there might not be a slash film cast. Like, there sure. might not be a film cast. Like, I might have never really fell in love with movies if it was not for John Woo. So, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I am hugely support, like, rooting for him as well and hoping that 
the killer remake is a good one. And I will be watching it with you guys and advocating for us to review it when it hits yeah. Peacock, whenever that is. And, and they, they should... Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Devinja. I was going to say, uh, they should also... There, There is a mysterious hard target, like, uncut, like a, like mm. a longer, deeper cut of hard target out there. And I would be interested in seeing that movie. Like, that is a way to, like, really hype people up again for him. Indeed. Indeed. All right. It's, well, it, anyway, look it's forward... Just such a, it's such an interesting, rare thing to have mm-hmm. the original filmmaker remake something what 30 years later so yeah yeah that's i don't i can't think of another example of that that's pretty uh, just even if you don't love john woo which i do but even if you don't i think that's just a fascinating prospect like what what does the original filmmaker bring to a remake having the benefit of that many years in between it's very rare for a filmmaker to remake their own film like i can think of a couple of examples off the top of my head um michael haneke making funny games twice mm-hmm. mm. that was That's weird he made it in two different languages though you know yeah um i think alfred hitchcock did the man who knew too much if i recall correctly twice um and then i think there was two versions of uh the vanishing if i recall correctly as well um that mm-hmm. were done by the same guy so uh yeah it's not completely unheard of, but it's very rare, and I don't think it's happened that much recently. I guess Funny Games was 2007. Oh, also, um, the guy who did Cold Pursuit, I think, made the original movie that that was based on. But again, that's... I, I think, uh, yeah, that well, that's the same situation, which is like, it was a foreign language, and then he's remaking it in English. Um, so it, it has happened, but it's very rare, and uh, I'm curious to see what he's going to bring to it. So Doves, I'm assuming. Yes, I agree. I agree. Okay, let's get to what we've been watching, folks. That's all the film news. A lot of film news. A lot of fun to talk about. Let's get to what we've been watching this week. I took Devendra's advice. And I watched Roland Emmerich's Moonfall this week. We actually <laughs> well, rented that, it for date That was date an advice, night. yeah. Yeah, we actually rented it for date night, um, the wife and I. And thought, uh, let's let's watch Moonfall, which well, is available right see, now on video on demand. This is funny to me because Devendra lobbied for us to actually review this as a full review, and you were the one who was like, "Hell no, I'm not Ooh. watching that." Oh, and here you well, are. That was because, if I recall correctly, it was like Omicron was about to happen, and or it was happening, and I was like, "I'm not going to risk my life for m- Moonfall," you know? Okay, fair but enough. I have if no, it was no, COVID I have nothing either. against watching the movie, Jeff. Um, but it was just like I'm not going to go to a theater to watch the movie. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this. You guys remember that movie Hancock? <laughs> oh, sure. The Will Smith movie. There, and there's a good version of that movie out there somewhere. Yeah. And you thought you were watching one movie, you know? Because uh, it's like, oh, Will Smith is a, a washed up superhero, right? And I'm going to spoil Hancock. But there is a moment when the movie Hancock <laughs> changes completely from what you think it's going to be. Yes, right? yes. It's when Charlize Theron throws will smith through her like refrigerator um (laughs) and you realize like she's a superhero too and then it's like actually they were married in a past life and now they need to like fight each other and it's like what the heck like all the advertisements were about how like oh will smith is this kind of washed up superhero and none of that stuff was in the trailers that's cool well same deal with moonfall and i'm not even gonna reveal what the other movie is (laughs) But it's real dumb, guys. <laughs> that, that was my review, right? The, yeah. One of the dumbest things I have seen it, in, in a very it long time. It is real, real dumb. Um, <laughs> and 
It's fascinating. What, what is fascinating to me, let me point out a couple of things interesting about this. One is that Roland Emmerich has not changed his approach to storytelling in like two decades, right? Like in all that, or over two decades, mm-hmm. in all that time, it's the same. If you compare this to Independence Day, it's the mm-hmm. same dynamics. It's which same, is the same say, types of characters and same situations. Same yeah. type of characters, which is broke, that there is guys. a conspiracy. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What'd you say, Jeff? Said if it ain't broke. Which is like, there is a conspiracy theorist who like, <laughs> he's the guy that knows the real truth. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. Randy Quaid in 1996's Independence Day, Samuel Tarley in this movie. Like, they're the people that, <laughs> they're the ones that are actually going to lead us to the real truth. By the way, unfortunately in this movie, um, Samuel Tarley is like, uh, this movie has a huge case of Elon Musk worship, which has aged uh-huh, very poorly uh-huh. in the last, you know, month or so. Um, but yeah, uh, the conspiracy theorist knows the truth. It's all about these people dealing with family dynamics, usually as a result of divorce. Um, if I recall correctly, like wasn't Will Smith and Vivica A. Fox's characters like divorced in that movie? Or no, they were they were together. Okay, they were together. Okay, I apologize. Yeah, they were um, like a happy family, but it was like he that wasn't his kid, right? Like he was coming into the relationship or something. Like it it was a whole thing. Got it. Well, there, there's not only one divorce. There's two divorces. Yeah, in yeah. Moonfall. Um, it, it's, it's a re- it's a remix of everything he has done before. Right, right. Hall- Halle yeah. Berry is divorced in this movie. Um, Patrick Wilson is divorced in this movie, and yeah. they're all trying to use saving the Earth uh, <laughs> to repair their damaged relationships <sighs> with their family, as one does. As one as does. You do. Yeah. It's it's a metaphor. You see, like losing your family is like a, the moon crashing into the Earth. Uh, so it, it's funny that he's just like, like no matter what, it's like. There is an amazing line in the movie that people have have said, which is like Patrick Wilson. The moon is okay at this point in the movie. This is the first third. The moon is falling towards the earth, and let me tell you, <laughs> Kurtz Kassat put out a video. Uh-huh. Uh The very amazing YouTube uh, channel, Kurtz Kassat put out a video, um, and uh, in that video, they explained what would actually happen if the moon fell towards Earth. Right, like if the moon approached Earth, what would actually occur? People mm-hmm. would be recalibrating their divorces. Uh, it's so true. <laughs> it, it is fucking terrifying. That yeah. Video. Like, because yeah. it, it basically is like humanity would pretty much end if oh, like, yeah. the moon approached Earth. If, if the moon was even off a little bit uh, from what it currently is. I mean, not not a little bit, because I think it's currently losing its orbit a little bit. But like, mm-hmm. um, if it was, you know, if it, if it like, they, they calculated like if it approached Earth. Uh, and was going to get to Earth in the period of one year, like what would actually happen. Um, and it's like within six months, like society would have, you know, completely transformed. And, you know, watch that video. at Kurtz Kazat on YouTube. It's amazing. Mm. Um, but anyway, at this point in the movie, the moon is falling towards Earth. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Patrick Wilson, you're the you're, <laughs> you're the only person who's ever landed yeah. a space shuttle without power. That's <laughs> what they say. <laughs> The hotshot yet disgraced you're, astronaut. Yeah. You're the only. No explanation as to how that happened. By the way, <laughs> you're you're the only pilot who's ever landed a space shuttle without power. You need to help us. And then Patrick Wilson says, "I don't know. I got a lot of problems down here. What's and this got to do with me?" And, and Halle Berry I got says, "99 and the problems moon falling on Earth isn't one of them." I got a 99 problems, and the moon ain't one, Dave. <laughs> Which is incredible. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And and then. So then what happens is, 
I, I'm not going to. Dis- I promise I will not describe the whole plot. We, of the sh- movie, we should just, just do a spoiler cast one... to this movie. Sure. Because sure. it's so dumb. There is God. one sequence in the movie where. Like right after that, they're like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go on this space shuttle. Like we're we're taking these space shuttle people up into space, and then the the space shuttle is damaged due to like a weather event, right? Mm-hmm. And like the coolant system doesn't work, and so they're like, hey, guys, like, because it's like Patrick Wilson's washed up. Like Halle Berry isn't flying into space anymore. Samuel Tarley has never been an astronaut. Like." There's no reason these people would ever go to space. So the movie needs to contrive some reason for them to go to space, right? And it's like, well, they have a skilled crew that's going, but then, hey, the coolant system on the space shuttle was damaged. So they're like, hey, guys, sorry. Sorry, it's not, not working anymore. You can all go home now. You can all go home now. And then they all, they all just go home. It's like, hey, we're all going to just give up and go home. What? what, what? Like, they're not even going to attempt to repair the thing? Like, because if they don't attempt to repair it, Literally everyone on Earth is gonna die, <laughs> but they're just like, okay, yeah, we'll go home. And then, and then it's like, wait a second, we could still take the space shuttle up there ourselves, you know? Like, if we do X, Y, Z, and it's like, okay, it is that that is that is not even as dumb as it gets. What I've just said, and so it gets way dumber. It's really, really stupid. I actually think you could have a good time. Uh, ideally, if you don't spend any money on this. Um, yeah yeah you know i rented it i paid six dollars uh not worth six dollars but if it's like if it was like free definitely fun to stream uh because it's so so terrible and watch it with a group of people and uh get get drunk or something like it it is truly one of the dumb movies of our time it makes you appreciate what other movies like you know independence day or the core or you know Armageddon, uh, Armageddon, you know, yeah, like so Armageddon well. is a fucking masterpiece compared <laughs> yep. to Moonfall. Yeah, you know? so yeah, it's it's really rough. Anyway, Moonfall available on video on demand or uh, or uh, rental, and I'll just say that it really made me realize like how dependent we are on the moon. You ever realize like how dependent we are on the moon to not fall in order to survive? I've thought about that since I was, I was a child, you know, like the moon has helped deflect things that could have destroyed earth multiple times. Like the, the moon is such a perfect thing for us to have. It's a, it's a, your existence is dependent on that rock staying roughly the same distance away from us every day. Mm -hmm. That is a fact. And so, yeah, it made me reflect on that and uh, and how fragile all of our lives truly are. So in a way, it was worth it. Okay, that's Moonfall. Uh, since I took up a lot of time with that, I'm just going to go straight to Devendra. Devendra, sure. what did you watch this week? I want to talk about one of the best shows that's on TV right now that you guys have probably not heard of. And that is DuckTales. Woo-oo. <laughs> what? Not heard of? Yeah. Well, the new one. I, 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 checked out, I checked out the first episode of this when it came it's out. Really it's really good. The voice it's cast really... is stellar. David Tennant is Scrooge McDuck. It also stars Ben Schwartz, Danny Pudi, Bobby Moynihan as as the trio of Duck Bros. Uh, my daughter started watching the show uh, because she, she she thought it was kind of fun. It is really funny. It's really well done. There's like a mystery going on. There's like a missing mother mystery. There's Can't, like layered plots and stuff. Solve a mystery yeah. or rewrite history. It's right there. They, it's, it's right there. They, they could this not show, put that in. I'm not going to spoil much here, but this show turns into Star Wars at one point. Whoa. 
it is really good. So if you're looking for like good kids programming, that's like, you know, fun and sweet and genuinely funny too. like, it's well-written. It's really self-aware. Um, one episode, uh, they, they bring back Darkwing Duck guys, wow. Darkwing Duck, but they, they find the guy who played Darkwing Duck. Right. And he is a washed up, uh, like comic book actor doing signings and whatnot. And it's all about them trying to reboot a super gritty Darkwing Duck. It's hilarious because the trailer for that is essentially Batman, the animated series, like done in the dark style and the gothic style, except with Darkwing Duck. Like it is so it's just so smart about everything it's saying and doing. I love the characters. Uh, You know, I grew up watching the original show and it was fine, but it was pure fluff. This is genuinely good TV. I think it's a really fun series to check out if you've got kids around. So check out DuckTales. It's on uh, Disney+. Plus. Cool. Uh, also, what else are you watching, Devendra? Another animated series. I just want to shout out Undone is back. Season two of Undone is at is uh, on at Amazon Prime Video. I love the first season. I thought that was one of the best TV shows I had ever seen, to be honest. Like, it is done in a rotoscope so- uh, style. Uh, the first season was about a woman uh, played by Rosa Salazar who is discovering that she she has a unique relationship with like time and space. She can she can kind of go through time and uh, kind of leap between the the lines of reality in a way. She has visions of her dead father, played by Bob Odenkirk. Um, great cast. Great, like, it is just like a great cerebral fantasy. It reminds me a lot of like Satoshi Khan's movies. And I thought the first season was a masterpiece. I was shocked uh, that they had greenlit a second season and I'm a few episodes into it right now. And it is, it's incredible. Like it, it is so good. Cause, cause so. season one ended with, yep. uh, it had a great ending. It was great like, ending. Oh, that, that could have been the end of the show. Great and ending. Been very and now right? they're, they're one upping it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am interesting. Okay. I'm fully down with where they're going with this. And it's also a reminder that Rosa Salazar is a goddamn treasure. Like everything. She is just so good. She's so good in everything and her like character and her performance shines through because this is a rotoscope style show. So it looks like nothing else on TV right now. Um, the original director uh, was it Hisco. I forget his name here, but the original director is back who came up with that idea. Um, it is, you know, just really Hisco Helsung. That's his name. Um, it's really well written. It's beautiful. It is just like one of the most imaginative things around right now. And I think it's still like very, very character centered while also dealing with like the nature of reality. So check it out, guys. Like if you've liked any of my animation recommendations, this is a show that you definitely should be seeing. That's Undone Season 2 on Amazon. All right. And uh, you also had a chance to check out Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. Yes. Really excited about this movie. This is the other film from the director of Drive My Car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Which it, it's kind of like a it's like a, a side piece to Drive My Car because Ryosuke Hamaguchi basically um had the story go. Like he was he had started production on this, then he had to stop because of COVID. Then he did Drive My Car during COVID and he went back and did production, finished up this movie and then went back and finished up Drive My Car. So like Mm, thematically, like these movies are all kind of of a piece. Uh, This is not a three hour long, you know, uh, I don't know. It's it's not one story for three hours. It is a triptych of three short stories. It's about two hours long and it, it is so good. I saw this on the Criterion channel. Um, it's different stories talking about people who, uh, how they deal with love and relationships. And they're all really, really unique scenarios. Like one ends up being like this unique love triangle and seeing how one character deals with it. Another is about a 
you know, character like trying to create a seduction trap for a professor. Just really, really simple sequences, but they're full of heart and emotion and characters who are really layered and interesting. And the great thing about this movie is that you can watch it like a TV show. Like you could just watch the episode separately if you want. Um, but I think it's it's worth just like sitting through because there's some unique, um, like really unique stories here. Great performances and uh, just like nice little slice of life, little, you know, tales about how people relate to each other and how they deal with love and relationships and everything. So it it is a good watch alongside Drive My Car. It's on Criterion Channel right now. That's Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. I am looking forward to checking that movie out. I've heard it's great. Yeah. And you finished Tokyo Vice, right, Devinger? What'd you think of I it? I did. I did. And I do have to say, guys, like, this show's pretty good. There are things about it that aren't great, uh, but the things about it that are great include Ken Watanabe as, like, we get much more of him uh, as the series goes on. And he is the, like, prototypical Michael Mann uh, main character. Like, he is the cool detective. He has a sick ass like 80s um sports car like he is just so damn cool in the show and uh the things like yeah uh like jeff like i think the ansel elgort stuff at the beginning was really annoying um just like the way the pilot had focused on him and everything because it's essentially that guy's story but i think what's really good about the show are the side characters especially like you know uh, michael band's movies are usually about guys who are very good at their jobs but they have emotions, guys, right? Like they they have feelings. They have home lives and they have uh, wants and desires that I think a lot of action movies just typically don't really you know dive into. And there is a lot of that going on here that I really enjoyed. Um, there's like one side character who's not good at all. But I, I think if you like Yakuza stories, if you like good crime thrillers, this is worth a watch. Um, there is like a drop off in direction quality from the first episode to some of the others to like directly episode two and three don't look as good as Michael Mann's pilot. But then they bring in some like um, Japanese directors who are doing some really interesting work towards the middle and later half of the season. So I think it's really good if you're into Michael Mann's stuff. Um, he only did the pilot, but this feels like a Michael Mann story about people so obsessed with their jobs and being excellent at their work and how it can kind of destroy them at times. So it's worth checking out. It's Tokyo Vice on HBO Max. All right. Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching? Well, I checked out the uh, the aforementioned new show on Paramount Plus called The Offer, which is the making of The Godfather. And I should probably say right up front that uh, I have a friend who is involved in the creation of the show. Uh, and to that end, I think the show is beautifully edited. Uh, but... <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, no joke. I wonder I really what your do. friend did. Was he like a key grip or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but just what the editing on the show is amazing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, terrible key gripping. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, this is a show that in the first, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of it, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch this. <laughs> but then... Now I'm like two episodes. The first three episodes dropped. I've watched two of them. And I'm like, I think I'm going to watch all of this show. Wow. It, it feels like some guilty pleasure watching it, along the lines of, of the, those, um, you know, all of those uh, sort of uh, Silicon Valley-esque shows that have been happening lately where it's, it right, just feel right. like it's a bunch of really uh, overwrought uh, narcissistic a-holes. But it's not great, but it's it's fun to watch. I mean, movies about 
movies, you know, shows about Hollywood. And this is a, you know, a period piece for Hollywood in the, I guess what, uh, late 60s, early 70s. Um, and this show is worth watching just for Matthew Good alone. Matthew Good plays um, Robert Evans, the mythic producer, Robert Evans. You know, I, 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 I uh, did I want the, did I want the picture to to succeed? I did. Was I willing to do what it took to do uh, to make it succeed? I was. Uh, did it succeed? No, it did not. You know that that Robert Robert Evans is so larger than life, and just his life was nuts. And he's a caricature. Uh, and Matthew Good is just nailing it. And it's so fun to watch him cavorting with bimbos and you know just the, the, the excesses of that old hollywood narcissism and craziness um it, it's it's pretty fun just to watch him but everybody in the show all the characters in the show are written like robert evans it's like everybody <laughs> at that time talked like robert evans and I don't believe that's the case. You know, I don't believe they all were just uh, dripping with confidence and walked into a room and said, this is the picture I'm going to make. I'm going to make this picture, you know, that kind of thing. So the show <laughs> feels really uh, uh, apocryphal and um, a little over the top and, and kind of goofy at times. But it's supposedly based on real events, uh, obviously, and uh, it, it tells the story from the perspective of Albert Ruddy, who is a producer on the, on the show and draws from Albert Ruddy. I mean, it, it says in the credits based on the experience of Albert Ruddy. And I guess the experience of Albert Ruddy is that he was an awesome guy. Mm -hmm. If you That's hear sho Albert Ruddy, shocking. Shocking yes, that shocking. He, in his telling, he would be awesome. Yeah. Yes, that that's exactly the <laughs> takeaway that I have, at least from the first two episodes, is Albert Ruddy thinks Albert Ruddy is pretty great. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but there's a, a lot of really big actors in this. Um, uh, it's fun seeing these very famous personalities show up. Obviously, Francis Ford Coppola, Dan uh, Fogler plays Francis Ford Coppola, I think, very, very well. Um, but you see... You know, you'll see Robert Redford show up in the first episode or an actor playing Robert Redford show up in the first episode, Frank Sinatra, like all these, you know, big personalities. So it it, it feels like watching a, um, uh, you know, it's like a tabloid retelling of some, you know, it's just all about famous people acting uh, badly, you know. Um, and I haven't even gotten to when filming has started yet in the show. So it's... Yeah, I, you know, Al Pacino is going to show up and there's going to be all, you know, I Brando and I can't imagine that it's not going to continue to be uh, just kind of juicy, guilty pleasure watching. And there's this whole other angle in the show about how the actual mafia evidently was none too happy about the making of The Godfather as it was being made. Um, so there's that whole angle in a Giovanni Ribisi plays a an actual mobster in this in this world. So I, I do not believe the show is, uh, you know, top tier quality. It doesn't, I mean, I think it's well-made, but I don't think it is, um, I, you know, going to be at the top of my list of must-watch shows. But as I, it feels like a guilty pleasure of experiencing old Hollywood in a way. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if it, oh, hey, I know that person. I know that person. And, and seeing all that stuff, it doesn't feel like a 
I guess what I mean to say is it doesn't feel like a an accurate retelling. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like I'm watching a historical uh, uh, reenactment of this. It feels very stylized and over the top, but entertaining. Well, one of my one of my favorite headlines, the one that stuck with me about this one, is over at the playlist. Rodrigo Perez wrote, uh, "Look how they massacred the story of my boy, the Godfather." <laughs> Which, he was not as much of a fan as you are, but yeah, it sounds like inessential, but still can can be some fun. Is yes, what you're saying. Uh, but, it is. It is yeah. definitely uh, a guilty pleasure for sure. That, that is the offer. It's on Paramount Plus. Canada. What else have you been watching? Speaking well, of guilty pleasures, what else have you been watching? Another guilty pleasure, indeed. Uh, I think folks that listen to this show may remember a, a couple of years ago me getting very excited about a show on HBO Max called The Flight Attendant. Yeah. And enjoying the first several episodes and then reporting back that the ending <laughs> of that show was awful. <laughs> awful. Yeah. It just yeah. completely borked the end. I mean, it, that, that it, was a run of uh, HBO shows where they had like great beginnings remember run everybody yes. oh my god yeah. god. Yes. oh my that god show, that, that show took about two episodes to turn terrible <laughs> uh but at least flight attendant there was like six episodes that were good and then the last two is like what mm-hmm. this is garbage um so you would think having had that experience yeah. yeah i would not be rushing back to watch flight attendant season two well that would depend on us believing that jeff operates rationally yes, yes. which of course you know all evidence is to the contrary Correct. on that Correct. count. Correct, yes. Um, yeah, if, you know, it's fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, I guess, uh, shame on the flight attendant, because uh, <laughs> I'm back in it, guys, and again, I've only watched the first few episodes, and I'm like, this is a great show! I'm, I'm having so much fun with this show! Uh, you know, not remembering how uh, things turn, and I fully expect that to happen again, because again, this show has uh, established a very juicy mystery. And I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. I love a juicy mystery. And that's what was so great about the first season is that it it had this really juicy mystery. And then, of course, it it did not stick the landing. It just completely uh, ruined that setup. And, you know, may well do so again. But here I am watching uh, the Flight Attendant season two. The the unique twist or the hook for season one, uh, I guess, spoiler for the premise of the Flight Attendant, but this happens in the very first episode, is uh, that there is a murder and our main character, our flight attendant, sees the murderer in her dreams or visions or has uh, episodes where she is actually talking to the murdered individual. Uh, so it's kind of a, a, a cute premise where it's like, she doesn't even really know this guy who died, but in her visions or dreams or whatever, uh, she is able to talk to him about his own murder and try to solve it with him. Uh, I, I, kind of a clever premise that of course, as I keep saying, really fails in the end, but they can't really do that or they decided not to do that this time. Because uh, she's not going to still hang out with this guy because he's not the murder uh, murdered individual this time. Uh, Instead, we get our flight attendant having visions again, but with different versions of herself, which pretty fun, pretty fun. I think Uh, again, fully expect this to collapse and (laughs) under the weight of its own premise. But I'm digging it. the The thing that is even funnier about season two of the flight attendant 
is you have no reason to watch season one. It it almost completely disregards anything mm-hmm. that happened in season one. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just says, hey, remember all those really uh, difficult things that we did to our characters? Yeah, we're going to wipe the slate clean. Uh, they're fine now. It's, it's all fine. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, a guilty pleasure. But one I'm I've gotten sucked back into, and we're watching season two of The Flight Attendant. All right, and then that is available on HBO Max. That's what we've been watching this week. Let's do some weekly plugs, guys. Weekly plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. I just want to throw another plug out for my personal Patreon page at patreon.com slash Dave Chen, doing some Better Call Saul recaps. I used to do a podcast called The Ones Who Knock, where I recapped Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Not doing that this week, this year, but I am doing some Better Call Saul recaps uh, in audio form at patreon.com slash Dave Chen. So if you want to hear what my wife and I think of Better Call Saul, that is the place where you can listen to that. Uh, again, patreon.com slash Dave Chen. Uh, join 500 plus other patrons as well over there. Jeff Kanata, give us a weekly plug. Well, it might be a weird thing to bring up on a movie and TV show review podcast, but if you're into sports, I'm doing sports now. I am actually calling football games for fan-controlled football. This is professional football. It is uh, pretty wild. It is a mashup between, uh, you know, elite athletes doing sports and video games. It's kind of like Madden, the video game in real life. In that, fans call every game. They call the plays. Using an app, the play that is selected by fans, the one that gets the most votes, is the play that the, the players run on the field in real time. It's pretty wild. And I'm in the booth for season 2.0 and flying to Atlanta every weekend and doing that. And this last weekend was some of the most fun I have ever had. The games, all four of the games, I usually only broadcast two of the four games. There's a different team that does the second two games. But this last week, I was able to do all four. And they were, there wasn't a bad game in the bunch. And they were they were some of the most thrilling, last-minute, exciting, dramatic finishes. Game after game after game, we kept saying, how can it get better than this? And it kept one-upping itself. Uh, so you can check that out. You can see the VODs of the games on Twitch at twitch.tv slash FCF. The games are also uh, broadcast. My my stuff is broadcast on Peacock, on uh, NBC LX, on Fubo TV, on DAZN, which are all cable networks. Uh, but the easiest way to check it out is twitch.tv slash FCF because they have the video on demand there as well. Uh, I'm in the booth alongside uh, really talented guys, uh, Greg Meskel, who broadcasts the, the Olympics, and uh, Devin Gardner, who is a uh, star Michigan quarterback. Uh, it just It's an incredible privilege and so much fun, something I never thought I'd be able to do with my life, and I am loving it. So uh, check it out, twitch.tv slash FCF. That is so cool, Jeff, and I hope uh, it leads to like other uh, broadcasting opportunities down the future. You know, yeah. like down 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 the line. Um, uh, first it's FCF. Next time, next time it's NFL. Maybe right. Maybe yeah. who knows? Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you want to uh, support this podcast, that's another weekly plug we want to share with you. Patreon.com/slash/filmpodcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes as well as exclusive after darks. 
We never want you to donate to the podcast if it in any way causes you financial hardship, but we do appreciate everyone who does contribute. Uh, it's very easy to support the podcast without contributing any money. All you got to do is leave a review or a star rating for us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are greatly appreciative of that. Okay, folks, let's get to our review of the North. He's here. He's here. Father! Father is here! The king, my lady. The king. Your fate is set and you cannot escape it. How I've missed you, my son. One day this kingdom will be yours. Thank you, father. My king. trailer for The Northman, the new film from Robert Eggers. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. From visionary director Robert Eggers comes The Northman, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder, end quote. I'm going to say this is a weird remake of The Lion King. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's that's it shows the staying power of that story, you know, yeah. is that you yeah. could make The Northman out of it. Wasn't it's this essentially done. the source material for Hamlet? In it's a, true, in a yes. sense. Yeah. This the the story of Hamlet was apparently based off of this myth. The original um, myth, yeah. The original myth, right? Which is uh why the guy's name also sounds like Hamlet. Uh, <laughs> Hamlet, I should say. His name, Alexander Skarsgård's name in the movie is Amleth. Yeah. Um yeah. so yeah. It D- didn't really apparently- change it up much, Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah, that's why and, and in the movie, Alexander Skarsgård is like uh to be or not to be. <laughs> 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 so I think we are all fans of Robert Eggers on this podcast, sure. right? Yes. We all yeah. liked The Witch. We all thought The Lighthouse was really interesting, right? Amazing. The guy makes really bizarre, singular films mm-hmm. uh, that are, are mostly about like the past, right? And about like kind of attitudes of the past and uh, and how they Anguish. can be... In- <laughs> What'd you say, Jeff? Anguish. Yeah. Angu- right. Anguish and uh how and much it would suck to be alive in certain situations. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what he does really well. Exactly yeah. correct. Um but uh yeah, this is his most accessible mainstream <laughs> movie yet. Probably his most it, expensive movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it cost apparently ninety million dollars, seventy million with uh tax credits or incentives and what have you. Um not doing super well at the box office. I'm so glad a movie like this can still come out at the box office. Yeah. Right? You know? Um, so Devinder Hardor, overall, what did you think of this film? I I love this movie. I, I think it is, you know, among the Egger stuff, uh, I really like The Witch, uh, love The Lighthouse. And I, I think, like, he is a guy who's not afraid to make challenging movies, right? I don't think this movie is as challenging as those, although there, there are certainly sequences. There, there's a point where the young prince and Ethan Hawke as, as the king are just like crawling through a hole and growling like wolves. And it's just this weird sequence. And I'm like, you know what? Nobody else would do this. And I am really intrigued by like wh- whatever the hell is going on in the sequence. Uh, it is certainly unique. It's certainly different. And that is the thing 
I can expect to find from a Robert Eggers movie, right? He is always showing me something new and different. So even though this is essentially, it's every revenge story, you know, it's like one of the, one of the first like overall revenge myths. And this is not a part-time book movie where it's like dealing with the nature of revenge and what this means for his soul or anything. Like it is even simpler than that. Um, but as a, as a straightforward, like narrative, as a story about somebody who sees only like one way of being, and that is violence and, you know, warfare and vengeance, really, it defines him. I think it's, uh, I thought it was fantastic. Like it kicks ass where it needs to. It is not wall, it's not like wall to the wall action, but the stuff that's there is incredibly badass. I do wish at the same time like i wish it was a little weirder i wish it was maybe even a little grittier like I, have you guys seen valhalla rising the nicholas vending reffin movie haven't no. you haven't you that movie is great but that movie is challenging as hell like it is a slow burn it's not full of action but uh you know it's mads mickelson like being a goddamn viking and there's something really cool about that and like i, I like that movie you know, quite a bit. This is far more something that would appeal to mainstream audiences, even though it's still a little bit weird. I love the entire cast. I think Skarsgård is fantastic. Nicole Kidman does some really, really fun work here. And Willem Dafoe, great as always. So, like, this is good stuff. This movie brought Bjork back to movies. And I, even though she's in it for a couple of minutes, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I like Bjork. I like the stuff I'm seeing here. It's so visually inventive and fun. I had a great time with it. Kanata, what do you think of The Northman? Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I thought of The Northman is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Mm, mm, okay, okay. In film, there aren't many others so gorgeous while watching folks suffer. But don't be like me and sit down to see this movie right next to your mother. <laughs> Are you serious? Is that the thing that happened? I'll tell you the story of it, fellas, real quick before we get into the review. Uh, mm-hmm, my mom mm-hmm. was here all yeah. last oh. week. Oh, nice. Uh, my daughter turned four, and so my oh. mom was in town. It was lovely to have her. And um, I needed to go <laughs> see this the only time I could because I'm flying you know, to Atlanta over the weekends and uh, doing podcasts at night and stuff. So the only time I could go see this movie was 1 p.m. Uh, during the week. Mm-hmm. And my wife says, because my kids are at school, um, my wife says, uh, hey, I, with my mom sitting there, why don't you take your mom to the movie you need to go see? And I go, <laughs> mom, you're not going to like yeah. this. It's it not- is about saving mother, though. Yeah. So. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. This isn't really a movie you're going to like. She's like, no, mm-hmm. I want to go. I want to go see it. <laughs> I was like, but you're really not. It's not going to be for you. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a hack and slashy movie. You're not going to mm-hmm. like it. And she's like, no, let's go. Let's go. I really want to go with you. So that's how I found myself sitting <laughs> mm. next to my mom in an empty theater at 1 p.m. on Aww. a weekday watching The Northman. Mm. Um, we'll get to spoilers as to why that was particularly awkward. But uh, <laughs> the uh, my mom did not enjoy this movie. Her review was, why do people make movies like this? <laughs> why does this exist? Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> So uh, take my review with a grain of salt because there was a level of uncomfortability that 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 was always present while I was watching. Right. We it. should but point out it has a B on CinemaScore, which is pretty rough, actually. Yeah, um, not not the greatest. It, it, this is a dark movie. This is a dark movie. It it, mm-hmm. it uh, mm-hmm. pulls no punches. It is um, brutal and 
dark and 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 yes weird at times as well i mean it is a conventional story but told in very unconventional ways and there are numerous shots of disemboweled people and and you know just just incredibly gruesome imagery i mean one of my big takeaways from this movie is you know you say wow wouldn't it be romantic to live in the past it's like no the past <laughs> fucking sucked mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. like if there's something wrong with a person in power they're gonna just sacrifice a peasant you know to the gods mm -hmm. uh it, this movie's just like yeah it sucked everything <laughs> sucked about not being the king yeah. in a time yeah. like that you know and but, even being the king arguably yes yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. the king everyone I mean, wants to murder you Yep. And it, you're the king, you can murder everyone. And, uh, and yeah, there, may be, there may be no difference between being the king and being a sheep farmer, too, right? right? What, what is king? What is the title? You have some sheep, yeah. basically. <laughs> well, and you have slaves, too, yeah. which is, yeah. you know. Uh, but yeah, this movie uh, pulls no punches in, in showing how uh, in ancient times, people, uh, human beings were awful to one another. Mm -hmm. Men in particular, the just the 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 rule of of might makes right is uh, on display in this film. It is it is gruesome. It is dark. It is uh, uh, visceral. It is uh, primal. I mean, a very primal movie. I mean, you yes. have numerous yeah. shots of Alexander Skarsgård just shouting, you know, just growling like an animal. It is. Uh, I'm hungry. Look yeah. at how skinny I am, guys. <laughs> feed me. Well, he's got he's got some shoulders on him though, man. He does. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Um, but I I I thought it is worth seeing if if all of that doesn't dissuade you, and to some I think it should, like I don't know, my mom. But <laughs> if that does not dissuade you, it is an extraordinary film. It, I, I don't think anybody's gonna give <laughs> this kind of money to Robert Eggers anytime soon. And he he puts that money on the screen. For sure. I mean, it yeah. is just unbelievably shot. The the vision of it. And there are special effects in this movie. There are visual effects in this movie. But at no point do you not think those people are in that place doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you got dozens and dozens and dozens of people to do all that stuff. You know, it, it, it feels real and grounded mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. authentic. And there are these incredible tracking shots where there's just you know, like 30, 40 people all doing horrible things, complicated choreography, while we just got on a close-up of Alexander Scar's order, land on a close-up of him or something. It just, the level of intricacy in the filmmaking mm -hmm. is astounding. I, lo I love these secret big budget uh, art house movies, basically. Yeah, too, right. right. Like, uh, Master and Commander is one of those. You're going to give me how much money to tell my little... My little, you know, ship story. Okay, I'm going to go big. And it's essentially what's happening here. Yeah. 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 And I mean, like the most intimate scenes are like people standing in this howling wind on these, you know, horrible Icelandic shores. It's like, no, they, there's no green screen here. You know, <laughs> he took people, he took the entire crew, 400 extras, and he made them stand in that awful play in cold oh blistery God. day you know it's swim it just, through that water Ugh. yes oh yeah there's a, i no one looks comfortable in this movie at any point you know yeah. um yeah. and 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 i think that's an, ex, an an incredible experience to witness on a big screen this is a a powerful dark 
brooding movie uh, that that is not hopeful. It is. It doesn't. I mean, I think it kind of touches on that a bit, but it it really feels bleak, and uh, it, it kind of talks to the human condition of how brutal we are to one another as as human beings, particularly as men. Um, and I think it is it is powerful in that way. So I I recommend it. Just you know, try to talk your mom out of coming with you. <laughs> I also really enjoyed this movie. It reminded me a lot of The Revenant. Mm, uh, yes. And actually, many characteristics are the same. It's They're both movies that take place long in the past. They're both movies about a main character on a revenge story. And they both have long, continuous shots uh, mm-hmm. that unfold, you know, with a very elegant camera movements in which there's just, as you said, tons of intricate choreography taking place. Um, it, it's really amazing. You know, there's there's like a raid. On a, pl- on, on, a, on a town, on a village that like takes place mostly in one continuous shot and it is incredible. Yeah. And so there's a lot of really amazing filmmaking. I think it has a couple issues. You know, my understanding reading interviews and this is, I was watching the movie and I was like, this movie to some degree feels like an unwieldy mix of an art house film and like a mainstream, you know, hack and slash movie, mm-hmm. right? And when I read the interviews after I watched the film, it like confirmed that suspicion that like that there were I, I don't know about fights, but there were a lot of studio notes about like what should happen in this movie and how make things it, should unfold. Make it more commercial, make it right, more Right, make it more exciting. commercial. And I do yeah. think the movie does reflect that a little bit, you know? That there are some subplots or some moments that to me, and I'll discuss them more in, in spoiler talk, but like there's some subplots that don't feel like they really fit in with the vision. Like the original vision was probably even more hostile to viewers in a way, yeah. right? even yeah. more inaccessible. And that's not actually what ended up happening. Like this is overall, despite, you know, crawling through a tunnel of mud and shit and stuff like despite all that stuff, it's, it's still overall like a fairly standard story. Um, but yeah, I really like it. I like how boldly original it is. The filmmaking is just, uh, obviously really intense. And, uh, I have, since the time I've watched this movie, you know, usually we watch a movie and then we review it like within a week. I watched this movie, I think like two weeks ago or a week and a half ago. And, uh, I really sort of come to terms with what I would describe as the moral ambiguity of the film. Um, Norse myths, legends, or whatever, like had people doing fucked up things, basically, and uh, and the these legends don't like say who's good or bad or who should be celebrated. It's just like right, right. you know they did these really diff- like fucked up things, and like you know they were like vindicated in some ways for them, and you know, and that's really what the extent of the moralizing was. It's like, hey, you know, they did these things, and. Um, everything was okay at the end, you know, and it's like, well, and this is a movie that kind of brings that idea to life. Um, so when I first watched it, I was like a little uncomfortable with what the movie to me felt like it was celebrating in some ways. Um, but now that I've had some time to sit and think about it, I think it's like, it is a, it is a sort of adequate, uh, spinning of those stories uh, in a way that lets you live with the ambiguity inherent in those t- those stories. Um, and I think as a result, it is a success. So mm-hmm. big fan. Uh, any other thoughts before we get to spoilers? 
I think we got a lot to talk about. So let's get yeah. the spoilers yeah, for the Northmen starting now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. Jeff, I'm so curious. <laughs> what was your mom's reaction? <laughs> At that scene when Alexander Skarsgård finally encounters Nicole Kidman again and confronts her with the truth after decades away. I wish I could tell you, Dave, but I was very consciously not making eye contact with my mom. (laughs) (laughs) That was a moment. (laughs) Did she comment on it afterwards? She did not. She did not. It was... uh, Didn't mention that part. It was very much (laughs) unspoken. I mean, I did not engage with her much uh, on on her feelings about the movie in general. Uh, She... Because she... We walked out and I was like, I told you, mom, you weren't going to like it. I mean, that was literally the first thing I said as we walked through the (laughs) lobby. I was like, I told you you weren't going to like it, mom. And she goes, I just don't understand why people make movies like this. (laughs) And I I was like... She's like, you're reviewing this, right? I said, yeah. She said what are you going to say about it? And I was like, well, I'm just going to say it. You know, it pulled no punches and was really uh, intense, mom. What are uh, you? So, yeah, yeah, we didn't talk about specifics. I, I am curious, like, what do you guys think Nicole Kidman was doing in that scene? Like, she's incredible <laughs> in this film. Like, it is yeah. one of my favorite performances of hers. In your, it is unhinged. It's out there. I love it. It's a shocking she, moment. It's <laughs> a shocking moment when she kisses her son of yeah. course she, she, she takes joy in crumbling the facade that he had too. Yes. like mm. yeah it is that to no, me no, that, that yeah. part i got but then she yeah. like kisses him on the mouth sure which, sure you know we've already seen them make out i guess in uh <laughs> big little lies with yeah, yeah. It, it was weird yeah. that she played his mom at all you <laughs> yeah. know it's like yeah, yeah. uh he was abusive to her and that mm-hmm. that show and yeah. she's it's, it's they have a complicated relationship they have all thing going they have all thing going who, who are we to judge but then she like she's like you know you should like kill or I, I think she like eggs him on to like murder her husband and sons and like you know she she like eggs him on is like and then you will take your rightful place beside me like wh- what is going through her mind at that point like does she actually want him to do it to do that I don't think so right no, I think she's, she's just overwhelmed him. with emotional intensity in that moment like i I, I was trying to interpret like what she's kind of like playfully mocking him like Mm -hmm. that is the whole Mm -hmm. the whole vibe there it's like oh you the the child of that dude i hated so much you're still here she's like hilarious it's like contemptuous what she's yeah right she's like she's like you know i can't believe you you like you're fucking up my whole life and now i'm gonna like fuck you up basically yeah i don't know maybe my reading was that she is so enamored with power Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that if he is going to exert the power if he is going to establish himself as the alpha then that is who she's going to tie her wagon to and i i i kind of took it as a a comment on how powerless women were in that time and and throughout most of human history and how they were their fate was it was tied to the fact that they had to stay with the most powerful man um because his reading of her reaction originally mm-hmm. being taken uh by what Fenrir right. is uh is is accurate right she was screaming and yeah, un- we're seeing it through his eyes yeah so we are seeing yeah, it through his yeah. eyes but it does feel to me like she has a little stockholm syndrome and 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 
decided that he was more powerful. I mean, clearly she never really liked Ethan Hawke, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you see that at the beginning that she's like, hey, let's go to bed. And Ethan Hawke's like, eh, I'm good. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> but uh, so I, I clearly, she, she, I think her feelings about him are accurate and, and not misrepresented. But I also feel like she learned to love this man because of how powerful and how alpha he was. He established himself as, as her, you know, uh, as her protector and, and the king. And he's going to be, and she, she's going to, she's going to be that Lady Macbeth or that, mm -hmm. you know, that, that woman who is going to squeeze all of the um, opportunity out of that moment. Uh, and so she sees him there if he's going to kill this guy, then she better hitch her wagon that mm -hmm. way. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't interpret it so much yeah. as like playing mind games, more like this is, these yeah. are the levers that she has to work with. And she's going to use them even on this man who was her son. That's because yeah. that's what she knows. I yeah. mean, it, it, I, I saw that too, but that just seems to be taking it all at face value is the thing. Like I, the way it was presented here is that she, she convinced, uh, you know, Fjolnir to do the thing to kill her husband because he sucked like he <laughs> apparently like he's when we see him naked too like it's it's ethan hawk he didn't like he does not look like Alexander skarsgård in this movie right like he he's almost like a failed king we don't know what his history is but she is like she just has had enough with this guy and i think the story is what she was a former slave too so he basically just yeah. imprisoned her to be his wife i felt like she genuinely loved where she was here right you know like i yeah. i thought that's that where I sense. get the contempt from. So it's like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna take away everything I love. Like you you've ruined so you were the bastard child I never really wanted, right? And now you're gonna take away everything I have here. Well, this is what happens when you do, and that's what you want. That's gonna make you win. I've I just found like there there are a lot of layers there. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I I think I started at Jeff's interpretation and then I went over to Devendra's interpretation. You know, by the end because you know of all the stuff that she does afterwards and 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 yeah, the fact that she is predisposed to hate this Ethan Hawke's character and his kid, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, I, it, it just made I, more sense to me that way. But yeah. my only other point in, in, in favor of what I'm saying is, is how she interacts with Fjolnir mm -hmm. throughout the time we see them later, which is egging him on constantly trying to goad him into exerting his power. Don't show weakness in front of the slaves. Sure. You have to do this because you have to be strong. I just feel like tenderly brushing his hair. Though, like, there there are moments of, like, closeness and tenderness. Like, when they're at that, sitting together, they're they're going to the little, little, what was that? That game? Like, the, the game they go to witness? Like, beat the shit out outing. of each other? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a family outing, guys. We're going on a road trip. Let's go. Yeah. It's, uh, she seemed happy with that. You know, even though she's also, like, yeah, trying to exert influence in the way she can. She seemed happy and content in that situation. And that, as we were watching the movie, I was like, she does not seem like a prisoner. Right. Like it, it's there from the beginning that she enjoys what she, where she is right now in life. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think Let me ask also, you guys this question. Mm -hmm. Sorry, mm -hmm. real quick. Looking at, at the Anya Taylor Joy character and seeing how, you know, she's fucked too. Like, mm -hmm. you know, she, every, every situation she's trying to get out of, she gets into a terrible situation. You, you know, you, she finds love, but it's fucked for her too. Mm -hmm. that, you know? that was the plot line that kind of reeked of studio interference to me is at right. the end, they kind of, first of all, somehow she like gets Alexander Skarsgård onto a horse, which I don't even understand that's physically possible. <laughs> and then drags him out to the middle of nowhere. And they're like, you know, 
he's like, I've only ever felt one emotion. Now I feel two emotions, you know? And it's like, yeah. it's just, it's like, this just, this love story is not built up at all. In my opinion, mm-hmm, like, I don't mm-hmm. think they have any chemistry together. Unfortunately. Um, it just felt like the studios were like, Hey, you gotta have a, some kind of love story in here. Gotta have some love story in the picture or else it's not going to work. The audiences aren't <laughs> going to like it. You know, it's like, okay. It, it felt like a very rote, uh, love story unfortunately Ani Taylor Joy you know awesome and I think mm-hmm. is worthy of better material than here also like there is this thing uh, where she says like uh, you know you'll bring the muscle and I'll bring the cunning and it's like she never brings the cunning like I, I feel like there were some deleted scenes from this mm-hmm. movie which mm-hmm. you know he has said like yeah there, there was a longer original cut and the studio probably made him cut it down and there's probably some other stuff that she did is what it feels like to me yeah. watching this. Film. I mean, the the whole so. plan of basically the the last act in the movie where he is just like, uh, Amleth is just fucking with everybody, basically. Like that yeah. to me, that seems engineered by her. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, she does like plan. she He's does like, like put yeah. the drugs into the yeah, yeah, yeah into yeah. the food and stuff like that. But like that's that's the full extent of it. You know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's it's so, an odd thing where he's like, I'm gonna go up to the hills and wait, and she's like, Okay, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna have this dude put a knife at my neck, and then you show up from the hills. <laughs> It's like you get, it, it didn't seem like exactly you know <laughs> pretty risky. Pretty not risky exactly plan. a mastermind there. Yeah, <laughs> not, a, not a not a genius as it were, based on what we know. But but um, let me ask you guys this: uh, Did you have any opinion on whether there was actually supernatural in- intervention in the movie or not? Hmm. Because I think that, that that is the most interesting question in the film is whether there is actually gods that exist. To what extent are we seeing things from Alexander Skarsgård's perspective or to what extent are they actually real? Mm-hmm. One of the most tantalizing bits is when he jumps down into this burial ship, you know, and it's like, well, how would he have found it without the, maybe he was just wandering around and he found it, but like he finds a ship, he has this battle with this guy to get the sword. And then after he vanquishes him, the camera pans or dollies over mm-hmm. in the same shot. And then you see him face the dead guy again. Well, he doesn't. This time, the guy doesn't mind battle. Yeah, it's it's an incredible sequence. Yeah, and it implies that maybe a lot of this is in his head, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. in his mind. It it could be. I mean, the the reality of these stories, like if if you if you are setting something like that's rooted in Greek mythology or something, to like to me, what's more interesting is that they're living in a world where these gods do exist, you know? And mm. they So you, you think influence. it is supernatural, the Valkyrie yeah. at the end is real, and so on. And, well, uh, I mean, his it, it ultimately doesn't matter, but that is what he is living for. He's living to die in battle, right? He doesn't right. want to live a long life with his family. His The thing he wants most is to die in battle, and that is the, you know, the ultimate, you know, uh, symbolism of, like, what he wanted and how he wanted to die. And it, It's like the Bjork sequence, um, you know, we're introduced to him as basically a mercenary and he, he's like helping people he's helping this troop just like destroy a village and like lock up the women and children and burn them to death. Like that is what he's doing. And it takes like this vision to be like, Hey, remember, remember your oath, you know, avenge father, save mother, <laughs> kill, kill. Uh, that, that was your whole thing for a while. Um, to me, like that, that is the reaction. It could just be him, like having some sort of like moral doubt or something. But you know, I I, do, I love stories where gods do exist and can actually influence things. So that makes it more interesting to me. I will say, uh, well, Jeff, do you have any thoughts on the supernatural component before I, I bring uh, up? maybe this is more of me taking it at face value? But I I did sort of think that the story acknowledged the fact that there are supernatural yeah things at play. Yeah, 
I mean, this I, this movie ends in a goddamn lava sword battle. It's yeah, like, that's it's, what it's, more me, more movies need that. And yes, Anakin and Obi Wan yeah. at the end. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's a very Revenge of the Sith style ending. And I have to say, uh, I think they delivered on the ending. You know, mm-hmm. like uh-huh. it, it's. I, I do think that the movie does struggle with an issue, which is that. There is that amazing village raid sequence. It is incredible. I think it's in the first like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And the movie never really comes back to that level again, in my opinion, because that is so intense, so well done. They throw a spear at him and he catches it and throws it back. So beautiful. But also, it feels like the movie isn't interested in one upping that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not like a a James Bond movie where it's like, we start with this great action sequence. We got to try to have a set piece that's even better. This movie is like, well, I did a set piece, but I'm not, it's not a about set pieces mm-hmm. it's true but it just i i think i agree with you that it's it doesn't care about it's not yeah. interested in the pleasures of those kinds of scenes right, right. and that set piece it's, by the way is him at his worst you know right like him it's awful. selling his soul it's yeah. awful but we enjoy it we yeah. love it we love the 300 you know <laughs> yeah and and yeah. it's like but but despite that i think the sequence is just so well done jeff mm-hmm. that's the yeah. problem mm-hmm. is like it's so beautifully put together that i'm like i want more of that you know <laughs> And sure. uh, and we don't we don't really get it now. That I have a said, feeling that's I, what the studio was saying too. Is like, can we mm-hmm. have more of that? Can we have more of that? And Eggers was like, no, I'm more interested in uh, mommy kissing son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and I will say, like after that, it's like, well, it's hard to come back up to that level. It's it's hard to have a finale that's going to deliver on the promise mm-hmm. of that. And I do think the finale did. It's like here is a really visually inventive finale that feels dreamlike. You know, that feels satisfying in terms of mm-hmm. delivering on what the Shot ending of the shadows is. most of the time, yeah. too. Like, it is, it's is not clear. It's not like bright lights on them. It I think this is better beautiful. than the s- similar scene from Revenge of the Sith, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that L- scene looked terrific. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, this, this scene looks incredible. So I mean, this looks I really like they actually it. went to lava. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, they didn't, but, you know. Um, yeah. The other thing is, this movie is so, so bizarre and unconventional, and, and you know, and it's, it's Eggers at work that... And maybe this is me being naive, but I did for a, a minute there think, is this movie just going to end on them going, it's not worth it. <laughs> Screw it. It's not worth the revenge. Right, the revenge isn't right. worth it. Let's just go away. As I was, I, I, for a minute, there, I was like, I, that could be the weirdest ending for a, mm-hmm. you know, an action revenge movie is just being like, no, not doing it. Then it would be Jet Li's hero. And this movie mm. has a lot in common, including a mind battle. That only <laughs> takes place in somebody's mind, but the, the, those movies have a lot of similarity, similarities. I also thought of Excalibur and everything here too. Yeah. But yeah, that would have been interesting. But that that ending only happened because China was like, "You're not killing the emperor." Are you kidding me? Like, no. <laughs> I think I was disappointed at that the movie didn't. I, I I'll say I was initially more disappointed that the movie didn't take like a stronger perspective on the, the idea of revenge, because mm-hmm, I feel like mm-hmm. the movie ends up kind of vindicating him. That was my read is like, he ends up getting what he wants, yeah, um, which is to be carried into the afterlife by Valkyries and so on. Um, but cu- there's a couple, like I've brought that opinion up and, and I got a couple of responses to it uh, on YouTube. One of them was um, that, Number one, we don't even know if he's carried to the afterlife of Valkyries. That could mm-hmm. be just what he's seeing, right? Right, like, right, right. It could be just a vision that he has. And certainly it's his justification. But the second thing is what I tried to articulate, probably not did a, didn't do a very good job of during the main review, which is uh, like, that's what these myths were like. People did, they went and they got their revenge. And then, you that's know, it. 
Yeah, that's, it. Yeah, that's, that's the end of story. the story. End of story. It's not like they're super <laughs> tortured about it afterwards. Right. Um, and so, to the extent that this movie is trying to render that story in a way that is powerful and accurate, um, I think it did a great job. Mm-hmm. But and to this me, is all like, this is all the character knows too. Like it is, we see the tension of the happy life, right? And it's like you have a vision of two children. Your daughter will become a, a queen, essentially. Yeah. You know, like this a leader is, of people. Is a stopgap yeah. to the next one. You know, yeah. It's not about yeah. what happens here. Yeah. It's just about getting to the next one with honor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But. One of the th- most interesting things for me about this movie is that if you do take Nicole Kidman character's uh, uh, perspective um, as honest, you could really look at Alexander Skarsgård's character as the villain of this. Oh, he tale. absolutely is. Yeah. How many people has he? Dis- how many lives has he ruined? Yeah, that, I mean, that's from, exactly from, why I was so bothered by the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, exactly, because you've seen him at his worst. Like you said, you've seen they lit a whole house of children women and children on fire you know yeah. like it's 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 horrifying and then he like then continues his trail of carnage through this village that like nicole kidman has like settled down and has a nice mm-hmm. life at and then he gets like what he thinks is the happy ending you know i was yeah uh, it was it was a little bit enraging at first when i watched it um and and it's like it's like the movie is daring you to root for this character in some way right. because it shows you him at like doing all these heinous acts. But if you look at it, if you look at this movie, if, if this movie was told from Fjolnir's perspective as a young man who, yeah. you know, meets this former slave who has been taken by the king and forced to be his wife. And it's like, please kill the king and save me. And then he does it. He's the hero. And then he takes her off and has, gives her this better life. And then all of a yeah. sudden the king's son comes and murders everybody. Yeah. It's like, well, uh, who's the villain here? Who, who has done yeah. the most good in the world, in this world, in this movie? And that's that's Fjolnir. Yeah. Sure. yeah. 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 Other than yeah. the whole, like, you know, sacrifice you know. slaves in order to it's, cleanse it's the God. You, that's how you appease the gods. That was messed uh, up when that chick was like, I'm singing because you're going to murder me. It's all good. <laughs> I want it to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, there was, there was one of those that was like. When his son was being, uh, there was a funeral for his son. Yes, that's and what I'm there was like about. a woman singing, and then like in the background, they're stabbing her to death. Yeah. Yes, that's what yeah. she was singing yeah. to prepare yeah. herself for that. She was his wife in the afterlife. Like that's mm. what she was setting. And then they mm. murder his horse too. Like what the horse do? Come on, bro. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You, you need that to was, ride. That, that that was so fucked up because the the thing that was interesting about that was they didn't even focus on it cinematic like from a right. filmmaking perspective it's just like you could have easily not noticed this woman getting stabbed to death in the background mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just it's, like this is just the way things are that it's so horrifying it's it's, so- it's horrifying and it's also like you got to admire a filmmaker who's like i'm gonna stage and execute this thing and you're not even you might not even pay attention because there's other shit that's potentially even more interesting going on in the foreground yeah. you know like <laughs> yeah that is yeah. just confidence so uh yeah L- love all the filmmaking around it any other thoughts? Any other thoughts? I mean, this is almost movie? like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the movie. I w- that mm. was going to be my other joke, but it is Valhalla, the movie. <laughs> this is the one successful video game movie. Yeah. Yeah. There, um, there is that. But uh, hey, guys, if you guys enjoyed this, check out Valhalla Rising. Like it is that that is even weirder. And it has Mads Mikkelsen. And I think that movie rocks. Well, at the end of the day, it's really impressive. Robert Eggers made a film. And uh, I hope he gets to continue making as many films as he wants to, because mm-hmm. I'm going to keep watching him because he's a super talented filmmaker. That's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of The Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Support this podcast on Patreon at patreon.com 
slash film podcast. Our spoiler bumper was brought to you courtesy of filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from Varsity Blue. He's currently in The Midnight. Check out their music. And our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Baby Zhang. Next week, it's going to be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, folks. Summer begins. The summer begins. Get your bets. Place your bets at thesummermoviewager.com. And uh, we're going to find out next week how insurmountable <laughs> Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness is going to be. Uh-huh. Some people, by the way, were objecting to us putting <laughs> Jurassic Park or Jurassic World Dominion above the Marvel films. But, mm. like it, Many people tweeted. I, I like, also object to that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> but you 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 also put Jurassic World Dominion above it though. Yeah, but we know the reality of what people go to see. <laughs> I don't know how those movies made so much money. I don't. People yeah. love dinosaurs. I will I do think it's gonna be a it, it will be, you know, yeah. Humiliating it is the Avengers it's the yeah. Avengers of the Jurassic Park world basically agreed, like bring everybody together yeah. but i was gonna say if we all like it's very like what i'm, I'm grateful for is we're all either gonna get it wrong or we're all gonna get it right you know yeah um so I think, elvis, I elvis think is gonna be number one watch. those, those <laughs> watch. top three movies are, are gonna be just an insane amount of cash yeah you know yeah yeah so and, and there's there's basically nothing coming out the week after either you know like yeah. it's firestarter but like that's it there's nothing else they're clearing that's what that's what's going on in the modern filmmaking environment guys they're just clearing the decks whenever the batman comes out or multiverse of madness is like make sure nothing comes out near that movie. no yeah no friendly fire yeah um, uh, but i think you know speaking of friendly fire it's actually I think, bad for cine- for cinemas in my opinion yeah, like it's, yeah. They, they need more product I well think, it's people yeah. are, people who want uh, counter programming have plenty of it at home Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's true it's true and you can also see everything everywhere all at once so that's another yeah option. go see that go see that uh but right. you know we, go, we go at least we can all make fun of jermaine lucier you know <laughs> oh yeah i mean for sure for sure i mean when top gun debuts it's gonna be a beautiful beautiful day uh on twitter on twitter so thanks for listening we'll see you next week